0: Today we're reading from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face shine upon us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God, may all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Well, it's wonderful to be with you and be able to open up the scriptures with you as we begin 2021. Uh, We're going to look at a a favourite psalm of mine, Psalm 67. But uh, we need God's help to understand the scriptures, as we'll see from this psalm. And so let me open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the scriptures so that we do not wander in the dark as to what you think about the world and how you want us to think about ourselves. So please, may your Holy Spirit blow away all of our own ideas to help us see clearly your truths, so that you might shape who we are and how we live. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, how do you and I wake up each day? What shapes our view of the world? Do we know why we're here? Do our thoughts turn to survival or service? Despite being children of the Father, having a grace relationship with Christ, and being a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, does our vision get obscured by clouds of pleasure and prosperity? Or maybe our vision's obscured because of the fogs of pain, of health crises, relational conflict, loneliness, financial stress, fears... And anxieties? Do we lose sight of God's glorious horizon and only see our own immediate and pressing landscape? You see, if our vision is self-focused, our vocation will be made up of getting through another day, cleaning the house, finishing the job proposal, preparing the budget, Negotiating the deal, chairing the meeting, planning a holiday, changing how we do church services, watching my diet, cancelling events and watching Netflix. Heaps of things press in, demanding our time, our energy, our resources and our thoughts. And where is God in all of this? Certainly, we can still seek to glorify God in all of those activities that need to be done. But I suspect that our agenda items lead us to focus on ourselves and create a sort of spiritual fog, a cloud which hides our true and essential biblical vocation, a vocation to glorify God by serving the best interests of others, especially those who have yet to know the joy of Christ's generosity. In this cloudy frame of mind, the danger is our prayers become self-focused, our praises short-sighted, and our service of others superficial. But God has provided in the word, history, poetry, and prophecy, which empowered by the Holy Spirit can blow away the fogs and the clouds of our own making so that we might clearly see our divine vocation. Psalm 67 is one of the rich resources of God's revelation which can do this for us. It presents a way of looking at life from the panoramic, purposeful, promised picture of God himself. It provides a world view, a vision of God's reality, blowing away our obscuring clouds. It's interesting when you read the Psalms you don't get to know much about the author yes many of them written by david and we know a good deal about him but this particular psalm what can we learn about the author we don't know his gender although we presume it's male since most of the writers were male we don't know his age his physicality was he short or tall no all we can find out from the psalm is how he views the world What he thinks about God and what he thinks about the people of God within God's plan. And so we shall turn and look at three aspects of the poet's worldview. The first, we discover his worldview is formed by scripture. The biblical and theological soil out of which this song grows is rich in spiritual nutrients the clearest is the quote in verse one from the Aaronic blessing found in Numbers six, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. What a wonderful blessing. They're words we've heard and may be used often. But do those words actually shape our thinking and our living? Our author had actually embraced these words. He knew the absolute necessity of God's blessing for effective ministry. That's clear from verses 1 and 7. He knows that God's blessing is to lead to vocation. So having spoken of the blessing, he moves straight into verse 2 and speaks of the vocation of the people of God, that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Without God's gracious blessing, Israel, the ancient people of God, wouldn't be able to fulfil their purpose in the world. Again, a purpose that is showing the world how the Lord powerfully saves. Psalm 67's vocational words, the people of God's ministry description, have grown out of such passages as Genesis 12, 2 to 3, words first spoken to Abraham, but echoed throughout the scriptures. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And again, 1 Kings 8, 41 to 43, an extraordinary passage. King Solomon is praying the great prayer of the first temple, finally completed. A time when Israel may have been looking inward and thinking about their worship, their gatherings together and their sacrificial system. But slap bang in the middle of this blessing prayer, Solomon, King Solomon, at the beginning of his reign, when he's on his game, prays an amazing prayer that at the heart of Israel's temple worship, there is thoughts for those who are not members of the people of Israel. And so we read, As for the foreigner, do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. Solomon's concern is that the world might come to the temple, offer up prayers, and God would answer their prayers, so they might know God as he knows God, as Israel knows God. But there's more scripture behind this passage Then in verse 4, we read, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. This reference to God's sovereign rule of the nations wasn't plucked out of the air, but rather reflects the unfolding history of Israel throughout the Old Testament. The prophets in particular regularly make commentary and also accountability in regard to the nations and Israel's God. Of course, the rich deposit of the New Testament confirms the truth of God's interest and concern for all the nations. So we read in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, the scriptures conclude with that wonderful book of Revelation, mysterious in many ways, and yet the big picture is clear that the Christian team wins. And we know that gathered around the throne, there is this wonderful picture of glory in Revelation 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We see in Scripture, the Lord God has a concern for all the nations, for all people. Each text we memorize, each story in Scripture we know, each truth we meditate on and each command we obey will help us develop a spirit empowered worldview, a scriptural picture of the world, which will enable us to keep God's vocation for his people in our vision rather than fogged over by our own agendas. So we need to let the spirit scriptures not society's screens, fixed or mobile, saturate our lives and form our understanding of the world. Without attention to God's word, our view of the world will be distorted and defected, defective. Our morality will be muddied and manipulated by a society without boundaries. So we've seen our songwriter's worldview is formed by scripture. Secondly, the songwriter's view is fixed on God. On two occasions in the mid-1990s, I had the privilege of serving with CMS missionaries in Jakarta. It was a new world for me. I'd never lived in a Muslim world, but it didn't take long for me to realise the rhythms of that society. As early in the morning, as dawn broke, the call to prayer came from the, uh, the various mosques around the city. And that would ha- begin the beginning of a five, uh, a five cycle of prayer, call to prayer throughout the day, finishing at dusk. That was a society in Jakarta where you couldn't live without recognising that, that this society was driven by a perspective of God, Allah, for them. But it's that sort of perspective that the psalmist wants us to grasp. He wants us to realize that we are called to be a people of prayer. We are called to be a people who carry a vocation to honor and love the living God, the Lord, the creator of the universe, who has revealed himself ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. Now God is the focus of this psalm. As always in the Bible, he's the leading character and he's the hero. The song begins and ends where all communication with God ought. In an expression of dependence. Note the two bookends from Psalm v- verse 1, Psalm 67 verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us. And again, As it closes in verse 7, may God continue to bless us. Such a worldview declares, we are empty, but God is full. We are fearful, but God is fearless. We are powerless, but God is powerful. So are each of our days bookended with dependent prayer or even more profoundly, as the New Testament calls us to, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, to pray constantly, dependence, bookending and filling our every day. Can we declare, along with Paul, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Is this a conviction which colours the words and works of our daily lives? Can we forgive people who've wronged us? Are we ready to repent of attitudes and actions which keep hurting the ones we claim to love? Can we love the spiritually lost more than ourselves so that we put aside our fears and intentionally reach out to them? Are we ready to ask for the Lord's grace to behave in these ways that I've just mentioned. Secondly, our poet also knows it's the very character of God to save people. We see this in verse 2, that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. What is the way of God that needs to be known? It is the saving power of God, to incorporate the nations into the people of God? Are we currently intentional in praying for and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ among our family and friends? Does our or God's agenda dictate our words and works? Maybe the next truth will nudge us in the direction of being bolder and braver in confessing Christ. The song makes crystal clear, God is sovereign ruler of all people. The repeated chorus of verses 3 and 5 declares, let all the peoples praise you. And then in verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you, Lord, judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations upon earth. You see, there is no race of people, no religious population, no generation, no individual even, who are not under the supervision, accountability, and ultimate control of Almighty God. The world may look at times like it has gone to the dogs. Nations may appear to be spiraling out of control, doomed to one day self-destruct. Yet God has determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live, so declares Paul in a sermon in Acts 17. God is in control of our world and we must let that shape our world, view of the world, That does this psalmist. God alone judges the peoples in righteousness and tends to the nation's needs. He and he alone will bring history to its close. This is the worldview of believers. It's our worldview. This is what causes us to pray, to praise and proclaim. It is God's sovereignty, his rule, which pushes us to align ourselves with the person and purpose of God and to seek the world's salvation. Finally, in verse 6, We read God's answer to the petitions of the psalmist. He tells us what was the answer to his prayer for blessing, and in an agricultural society, it was a prayer for God's blessing their crops. We read in verse 6 The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. God answered with a resounding yes to the prayer aligned with his will. The harvest was abundant. And by God blessing Israel, the world would look around on the outside and say, God is blessing these people. Look at how their harvests go. Maybe we should think and listen to their God. So the songwriter's worldview was formed by scripture and it was fixed on God. Thirdly and finally, the songwriter's worldview fashions his behavior. The key point to note here is that the psalmist's position is one of alignment. God has revealed his will in his word. His fingerprints are discerned in the gift of an abundant harvest to Israel and in his overseeing of the national life of the nations. So the psalmist aligns himself with God's revelation and he calls on the world to join him in praising God. Why? Why? because they are all recipients of God's grace. It's an amazing act of faith for him to do this. You see, there was no point in Israel's history that it could be said that anything even got close to looking like the nations joining Israel in praising God. Here was a child of Abraham who lived by faith and not by sight. One who built his song and we trust his life On the promises of God are we that sort of people or maybe are we guilty of having stopped inviting our family and friends to come and join us to praise God whether in small groups or in large groups when that happens again it would even be worse if we've stopped even praying for our family and friends who do not yet know the grace and generosity of Christ. Notice the psalmist boldly reminds fellow Israelites of their dependence upon God's blessing to fulfil their vocation. Only when they are radiant with the blessing of God will they show the nations God's abundant and amazing power to save. How we need to pray for each other in New Testament terms, using prayers like Ephesians three, sixteen to 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. We need God to pour himself into our lives, so that we can radiate him to others. The psalmist courageously challenges the world to abandon the futility of their own gods and to align themselves in praising the supremacy of the only true God, the God of Israel. So we can echo Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Are we convinced? Will 2021 see we Christians wisely, sensitively and boldly sharing this great news? I love the way the poet connects the dots between material blessing in verse 6 and God's reason for looking after Israel. God's people... Israel of the past and the church of the present are to be a magnet to the nations, a revelation of God's saving power. He blesses us so we might bless the world. This is the worldview we all need to grasp. It's echoed when Peter writes that we are aliens for Christ. That is, we live differently. We've come into the light so that we might shine the light into the dark places of the world. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Years ago, I heard about a painting uh, depicting a scene from the First World War. It was at the front when long cables were ran by the signalers so that they could communicate. Um, the signal line had been broken and the signaler had gone forward to the front line to reconnect the cable. But the picture, paint showed him having finished his task being killed and dying in the process. The painting was called through. It was through that man's sacrifice that the lines of communication between the front line and those giving instructions in the back had been made. And so it is that you and I as believers are to be the means through which being on the front lines with people every day of our lives, we might connect them with the God who lives within us and blesses us, and they might come to know the grace of Christ. Well, let me conclude. This psalm breathes confidence and moves from petition to proclamation, anticipating that great day when at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know it's not AFL season, but this illustration seemed to work. Those who watch AFL will be familiar with a Collingwood fan who puts on a gold jacket and hat when he knows his team is going to win the game and they can't be beaten. The great thing about being Christians is that we can wear our gold jackets and gold hats every day of our lives. It doesn't always feel like we're winning, but our worldview is we must, because Christ is Lord of all. The Lord is King, as our psalmist has reiterated. He's in control of the world. We are God's go-betweens, and we will be victorious, as one John tells us. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. This psalm is indeed the people of God's vocational song. We are God's go-betweens. We're called to announce that Jesus has bridged the gap between God and a dark world. And one day the throne of God, around the throne of God, Our voices will sing with the international choir of saints. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This psalmist's prayer will be fulfilled. The nations will gather and praise the living God. So let's wake each day to keep our eyes on God's horizon praying that God would bless and empower us for gospel service so that we continue in unison with the songwriter of Psalm 67, desiring and working towards all the peoples praising God and all the ends of the earth honouring his name. What a joy it is to serve our living God in this way. And may we see that happen in Wollongong and fig tree and beyond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the psalmist. We thank you for his great faith and trust in you, for his large prayer, his large concern for the world. But he understands that it begins with you blessing us because we are incapable of doing what's necessary without your assistance. So may you stir within us the Holy Spirit so we might live for you and glorify your name always. And see the nations join us in praising your name. As we begin 2021, empower us for this service. We ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.